Look around you. Listen. Open your ears. Open your heart. Open your eyes. You have more available to you than you actually realize in that we are human beings that are all connected. And we're all connected to that source. And that source and that light can help you to overcome the obstacles that are placed in front of you. And the fact that sometimes when obstacles are placed in front of you and you realize that you're forced with a decision of reinventing your purpose, that it may be where you're supposed to be in life. It may be you were put into a position and given the opportunity to do just that, to change people's lives. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here today. I want to introduce you to my guest, who I'm very excited to talk to and hear about his journey. His name is Michael Hurst. He's a husband, a father, a lover of animals. He's a multi-talented host, keynote speaker, author, director, and retired police sergeant. So he has a unique approach to every project he takes on. He explores the metaphysical, the paranormal, the supernatural aspect of life. And I particularly love that he also practices a vegan, gluten-free, naturopathic way of life. So all kinds of things wrapped up into this package. Welcome, Michael Hurst. So great to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be on the program. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. So I have so many questions. I understand you started the podcast you do in college, or it came from an idea anyway. But let's go back before you ever started. Talk about being a police sergeant and what happened. What led you on this journey to where you are now? How have you developed through this? It's really interesting. I was a police officer for quite some time. I, my career in law enforcement started many, many years ago, and it was abruptly stopped because I was injured in the line of duty. But I was a cop for 16 and a half years. I was a sergeant, as you said, at a team of individuals. I worked everything from basic patrol, moved my way up, and um, I did investigations, had an investigation team. And then I also worked at Domestic Violence Task Force, mm-hmm. which is a multi-agency domestic violence task force, which it, not saying that any domestic violence is good, but we worked like the worst cases of domestic violence. It was a multi-agency one. So it was wow. like all over the area. And then um, prior to me getting injured, I moved into a traffic detail where I worked a DUI task force as well. And basically that's where I got injured. About 2, 2.30 in the morning, one morning, an individual changed my life in essence. Two of my guys went on a call where a guy was backed up on their property and he refused to leave and he wouldn't get out of his car. And they called for a supervisor, a standard procedure. And when I showed up, I made the mistake. 
because I had this big S on my chest. <laughs> I made the mistake of walking in front of my patrol car and that kind of upset him. And he floored it and he basically pinned me between his car and my patrol car. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, it kind of changes your life perspective a little bit. Fast forward. Basically, after that, we caught him, obviously, and he went to jail. And I went on to try to rework my career because I was on my way to lieutenant and on up the line. I was studying to be a lieutenant. And I, my career, my passion, my purpose in life was being a police officer. Wow. That was abruptly changed because I, I then was forced with retirement with a disability. It was an interesting perspective, you know, if, if you'd like to cover that. And, and I know that what your program involves and I appreciate what you bring to the world with what you talk about, but it involves a lot of uh, depression and anger and resentment, and it involved PTSD, and it involved a spiritual awakening. It involved, you know, so many aspects that a lot of people do experience, but don't necessarily experience it all at once. Yeah. I was diagnosed by five doctors to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Wow. And, you know, that in itself, facing the reality of that kind of makes you want to kind of give a, give a full view of what's inside you mm -hmm. because, of, because of what transpired and what is about to transpire and what looks forward. And mm. so from that perspective, my daughter, we moved here to Arizona from Colorado. I should back up from that. I'm sorry. That's all right. I grew up and lived in Colorado. I worked in Colorado. Okay. But at that time, after I'd been told by five doctors that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, I decided that I needed to find somebody or doctors that would at least pay more attention to my wants and needs for not being in that wheelchair. Oh. And my sister lived down here, so she says, hey, why don't you come down to Arizona and check this out? And I did. Oh. So we got down here, and I started exploring some doctors and things like that down here that would help me to do that. When I first moved down here, I was not in a wheelchair, but I was severely disabled. I'll preface it with that. When we got down here, the weather was really good for us, other than being really, really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the mountains of Colorado yeah. to uh, the desert of Arizona. I imagine. That kind of changes your perspective, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What part of uh, Arizona? New okay. Metro area is where we live. Okay. And for the most part, we enjoy it down here. My kids went to, we transferred them down here, obviously, to school. And, you know, they were growing up. My daughter, oldest daughter, met a wonderful individual that she wanted to marry. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the shortened version of everything. And in the process of that, I was in a wheelchair at that point and she was going to get married and she kind of looked me square in the eye when I asked her what she wanted for a wedding gift because we, we praying for the wedding and, and we understood that. But I said, what do you actually want for a wedding gift for you in, in court to spend your life? And she looked me square in the eye and I get a little teary sometimes still remembering this, but she said, I want you to walk me down the aisle. Wow. So. That gave me pause because I'd spent about four years in that wheelchair with my daughters pushing me around, Yeah, my wife getting me dressed, my wife getting me undressed, my wife taking me to the bathroom and, you know, giving me a shower, things like this, which, and again, I get a little, a little emotional, so forgive the pause. It changes your perspective on life. You know, I went from a sergeant where I had a team of 13 individuals that counted on me, that looked up to me. I put thousands of people in jail over my career, you know, bad guys yeah, in jail. And I had to go from that to my wife having to walk me to the toilet right. or carry me to the toilet. It really opened your eyes a little bit. So when my daughter did that, she saw something inside me that 
I guess she needed to be ignited. And at that time, you know, I made the decision that that's what I need to do. So I sought out a surgeon that agreed with me and said, yeah, we can do that. Wow. And that's where the journey kind of began. So wow, I've been through eight operations. I've had two knees replaced, a hip replaced, a surgery on my foot and ankle, and uh, two shoulders replaced. Through the years and years of rehabilitation and the hours and hours of rehabilitation, I worked my way out of a wheelchair and I walked my daughter down the aisle. Wow, that's a lot. I haven't looked back since. Now, I'm also here to walk my youngest daughter down the aisle. So I need to say that because (laughs) without my family, without my wife and my two kids and my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces, my nephews, my colleagues, pushing me when I needed it, pulling me up when I needed it, walking with me on this journey when I needed it. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Right. At that point, right. because, you know, I went through years of depression and anger and resentment and why me? You know, I yelled at God. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I said, look, I was a good guy. I was a good cop. I wore, I was on the, right. on the, on the woods. I wore the white hat. Right. <laughs> not the black hat. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, why would this happen to me and so forth? But it also gave me an opportunity to reinvent my purpose in life. So you mentioned that there was a spiritual awakening along the way. And I'm curious, was there involvement at all, like your feelings towards the person who might have done that? Was there forgiveness that had to be done or was your anger and resentment not directed at that person specifically, but maybe at God or at life? No, it's interesting because I, I grew up Catholic, but I'll be honest, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I am a spiritual individual. I believe in God. I believe in, you know, the angels. I believe in the possibility of what's on the other side. I believe Mm -hmm. in the fact that we have the ability to call for help and that we have an angel on our shoulder at all times. So I relied heavily upon that throughout my journey and I relied on the, that aspect of it. And I had conversations with the man upstairs or woman upstairs. And I know that I was given the strength, the courage and the fortitude to be able to get up and walk when I've had my first knee replacement and then get up and walk when I had my second knee replacement. And then my hip, and then through everything, I looked at that direction. As for forgiveness, you know, I was, and, and I'm going to speak honestly with you. I was yeah. angry and I was resentful for a really long time. I'm sure. Because I, you know, I came from a very dysfunctional family and my way out of that dysfunctional family was going into law enforcement. See, because I felt that I could do a positive impact with other people that experienced what I experienced. I.e. the reason that I worked both in domestic violence and in traffic with DUI okay. task force. So the combination of those, I felt that I can contribute back to life in a very positive way and hopefully change some people's lives in a good direction. So the resentment, the anger that protruded from being cut short of that yeah. was really inbred within me for quite a while. You know, the fact that I couldn't be the father I wanted to be. I couldn't be right. the husband that I needed to be. I couldn't be the brother, you mm-hmm. know, the mentor. I couldn't be a brother to my sister. Right. I couldn't be a brother to my brother. I couldn't be, you know, you know what I mean? I couldn't be a good uncle because of my situation. So it took a lot of conversations with God. It took a lot of conversations with my angels. It took a lot of conversations with my family and my colleagues. So in that, I had to work through each one of those steps individually. Mm-hmm. So I had to work with the depression first. And then I had to understand I had the courage and the motivation and the inspiration to overcome these obstacles that I was facing. I had to understand that there were people around me that were willing to 
like I said earlier, pick me up when I was falling, push me forward when I needed it, to pull me forward if need be, or to stand beside me. I had to understand that the courage developed out of understanding that in overcoming my depression with it. I had to come overcome the anger of it because I was still angry. I was angry that I had to go through this. Right. I'm not as angry as I used to be. I'm not in a wheelchair, but I still have issues that yeah. I have to deal with. I still have a disability that, that remains. Yeah. So when my wife has to wash my hair or I can't unbutton my own shirt, you know, when I can't do something with my girls that, that I should be wanting to do with my girls, right? then I still get a little angry every once yeah. in a while. You know, I still get a little resentful a little once in a while. But I've recognized it to a point that I know how the tools to work through it. Yeah. So th- those were presented to me through my journey. And in the conversations with the man, you know, God and conversations with my spiritual friends and my guides, my angels from that to help me, to remind me each time. So forgiveness, I believe that I forgave myself for putting myself in that position in being honest because I knew better. Right. right. I was a supervisor. I told my guys don't ever do that. Yeah. And yeah. I did it. Yeah. So part of the anger was angry at me. Because I put myself there and I shouldn't have put myself there. I know better. I knew better at that time. So I had to forgive myself. And it took me a long time to understand how to forgive myself. But I have forgiven myself. And in doing so, that it helped me to heal and move forward in such a way that I'm able to function in life in a very positive way. I'm able to spread inspiration, motivation, and education through my podcast or through conversations like this. Mm -hmm. At least Mm -hmm. that's my hope. That's, That's my goal. And, you know, in that journey, you know, I, I know that you had mentioned this earlier about being a vegan and being a in healing naturopathic way. I developed rheumatoid arthritis, severe rheumatoid arthritis during this process. And in the, in that process, I was on nine different drugs at one time. So those within themselves created issues. Put me in, it's a, it's a form of muscle wasting. The same thing, the drugs that they put me on for the rheumatoid arthritis are similar to the drugs that they use for cancer treatments. So. Because of that, I went from 165 pounds to 100 pounds. Oh, my goodness. And, wow. and at the same time, trying to battle and trying to regain my strength, how to walk, trying to learn to walk again, go through these surgeries and things like this, I, I was down to 100 pounds. Wow. So I had to find another way, and yeah. that's where the vegan came out about. And has that helped a lot? I'll say 300%. Wow. You know, it's a situation that you know, I learned through everything, a culmination of the experiences a culmination of my conversations, a culmination of educating myself. Mm-hmm. I learned that if I change my diet, I can manage my disease. If I change my heart, my attitude, I can manage my disease. You know, if I change my conversations, I can manage my disease. Right. If I have faith in the man upstairs and in the angels on my shoulders, I can manage this disease. And it brought about to me an opportunity to understand what being a vegan means. And so I changed my diet. I became a vegan. I educated myself the best I could do without getting a a doctorate. And I learned to manage this disease from that perspective. I started putting weight back on. I went back up. I'm about 145 pounds now, which is comfortable for me. I'm not 165, but I'm comfortable at 145 pounds. And I'm not on any drugs. Nice. And it also opened up, you know, I've always been compassionate. I've always been empathetic. But it expanded my compassion and empathy of humanity in regard to animals. And that's why I respect them 
from a whole different point of view, from learning this and evolving through this and understanding this. So I've been a vegan for about 22 years now. That's great. It is an evolution for all of us, I guess. But to hear your management of your physical condition with it is fantastic. I, you know, I believe in mind, body, and soul. Yeah. And I believe in we're given the tools for that mind, body, and soul that allow us to be able to manage our lives, both mentally, physically, and manage our lives through disease yeah. as well. Yeah. And these are things that I've learned over this time that I've dealt with this. You know, I mean, I was always a spiritual individual. I've always been a spiritual individual. You were? Okay. All right. So yes. that wasn't brand new. Like I said, I'm not, no. Okay. Uh, it just expanded that. I got a new look okay. at, at this. I get, again, like I said, I grew up Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but yeah. not a practicing Catholic. Yeah. But I am very spiritual, and I prayed every time I went to a dark building. I prayed every time I was up against something that I, as a law enforcement officer, when I was going into a, a burning building, which I mm -hmm. have gone into a burning building. I've fought fires. Every wow. time I was saving lives or wow. staying there, holding some, sitting there holding somebody's hand, and they were taking their last breath, asking me to tell their wife or their husband I love them, to tell their kids I love them, tell their parents I love them, because they didn't have the opportunity to say that. That's where one more thing before you go came about. So. I've always been a spiritual individual. I've always opened my heart and my mind up to that. And I believe that a combination of that, along with changing and managing my diet and having those conversations with the spirituality have allowed me to manage my life and my disease in a way that it puts me in a position to have reinvented my purpose in life. And I go back to the statement I said earlier about hopefully motivating, inspiring, and educating people. Motivating, inspiring them, and educating them to what? What's the goal? The possibility exists. You know, there's always one more thing. And you know, even if you're faced with the worst aspect of your life and you think you're at the bottom of the hill and you're down there wallowing in depression, and, and I say wallowing because I was there. So I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to be insensitive to others that are in this position. I'm saying if you reach that point in your life where you are depressed, you reach that point in your life that you can take a positive path or you can take a negative path. I have colleagues of mine that took a negative path and they're no longer here because of that. In my particular situation, thinking that all was lost, I could have taken a negative path. I was able yeah. to take the light path. Because of that, I hope to have spread in the conversations that I've had on my podcast especially. I've been able to, to motivate people, inspire people, let them know that there is one more thing that it isn't done yet and that you have the possibility to move forward in life in a positive way and that you can be presented with tools to do that just like I was. And you can present it with and open your eyes, the opportunity to open your eyes, your heart and your mind and understand that with the mind, body, soul connection and those around you that sometimes you ignore, not to be rude, but sometimes people, they get into an ego fight and say, I'm not going to ask you for help because I'm just going to do this on my own. I was there. But sometimes you have to learn to reach out and ask, whether it be just to listen or a helping hand up or a push from behind or pull me up, as I said right. earlier. So I want to inspire people to know that you can do it. I did it. My wheelchair right. is in the garage. I can motivate people to say, look around you. Listen, open your ears, open your heart, open your eyes. You have more available to you than you actually realize in that we are human beings that are all connected. And we're all connected to that source. And that source and that light can help you to overcome 
the obstacles that are placed in front of you and the fact that sometimes when obstacles are placed in front of you and you realize that you're forced with a decision of reinventing your purpose, that it may be where you're supposed to be in life. It may be you were put into a position and given the opportunity to do just that, to change people's lives. I'm grateful my podcast was heard in 59 countries. I am grateful that I've had over 300 conversations with people that have gone through the same thing that I've gone through, that have been on there to tell other people the same message, that you're not alone, that there is help out there for you, that you have the ability to do this, that you can overcome, that you can achieve, you can change your life, and it's okay if your life is abruptly stopped and you have to reinvent it because that might be the path you need to be walking. That's true. Yeah. And it seems like you have touched some of the hardest aspects of life in your career and personal journey. And so you can speak from all these different layers of the human pain. So tell me about the podcast a little more. So one more thing before you go, how did that start? And yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, it's interesting. When I got to thank my oldest daughter again, I went back to university because I, one of my second love is other than being a cop was entertainment and movies. And as a kid, because I grew up in a dysfunctional family, you know, that was my escape. And I really wanted to pursue something along that line, but I realized I couldn't be a law enforcement officer anymore. So I went back to university. I got a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on digital media, performance, and art. And then during that time period, as you know, you probably had to come up with a capstone or a thesis project that you yeah. have to do yeah. at the end of your master's program. And in that, I thought, you know, I'm going to do a documentary. And what I'm going to do is take my experience in 16 and a half years on the job, the countless times I had to knock on somebody's door and say, I'm sorry, I've got bad news for you, that somebody's not coming home. Or watching somebody being there, being present, when somebody passed away and could say, didn't get to say what they wanted to say. Or they said, can you please tell my wife I love them, tell my husband I love them, tell my kids that I love them, I'm proud of them, tell my mom I love them, tell my dad I love them. It's that situation that you kind of go, How many times have somebody walked out the door and not known that their life was going to change in an instant? Right. So I wanted to, in my own journey, I used music and I used art and I used dance and I used entertainment to help me through sitting around and I'm, I don't want to tear up, sitting on the couch wondering what I was going to do, sitting in the wheelchair wondering what I was going to do. The times that I did have a surgery and obviously there's recovery time. You can't just get up and run around the, you know, the backyard. So I went back to watching movies and entertainment. So when I did that, my capstone, while I was in there, interdisciplinary being the key word, I was able to learn how to use creative arts in healing. So what I did was took dance and music and art and drama, and I made a documentary film called One More Thing Before You Go. We solicited for stories of people that didn't get to say what they wanted to say before they lost somebody. And we picked one out for each one of those modalities because, you know, I couldn't do a two-hour, it's a capstone, it's not a two-hour documentary. So we picked four stories out of that and we gave them that dance that they didn't get, that they were waiting for before somebody was supposed to come home and do. Mm -hmm. We gave them the opportunity to say goodbye. We gave them the opportunity to get closure through creative arts. It was the one more thing before you go. Mm -hmm. So in that process, my health took a downturn after that, by the way. So I was still wasn't in the wheelchair at that time. I still had a disability. I still walked with canes. I still had some issues. But by that time, my health took a downturn. I ended up in the wheelchair. That's where I spent the four years in a wheelchair. 
So again, my oldest daughter looked at me and she said, this was after I did all, everything. I, I, I got all my surgeries. I got everything done. She said, have you ever heard of a podcast? And I went, no. So she opened the door to me and she said, here, mm-hmm. listen to this. And she said, I think you'd be good at this because you can take your experience and you can share it with others and you can take what you wanted to do in the documentary film and do it once a week all the time. So one more thing before you go went from a documentary film to a podcast. And in that podcast, we give the possibility of what's out there. We gave people the tools that they needed if they did lose somebody. We got to allow them to tell their story. If they didn't get to say what they wanted to say before losing somebody, we gave them the opportunity to tell us that story. Like the woman who kissed her husband goodbye out of the car, watched him walk in the rearview mirror to get on the plane and flew overseas. And she thought, you know, oh man, I forgot to tell him this. At three o'clock in the morning, she got a phone call to say that he had passed away after he landed. And it was like this whole time, she had spent a couple of years just dreading the fact that I didn't tell him how much yeah. I loved him. So we gave her that opportunity on the podcast. Is there a so lot that's of crying how, on your podcast? Uh, in the beginning, yes. I've had people say, you're the first person who made me cry. And I'm going, well, I don't want to be. <laughs> I think like a double-edged sword, right? I said, but but they said it was, you know, cathartic. It was, yeah. it helped them. It really allowed them to release things. So, oh, yeah. you know, and as any podcast goes, I'll be honest with you, we've evolved and we've opened yep. the doors to many other possibilities yep. within the podcast. We talk about different things. We talk about the other side. We talk about the possibilities of what's on the other side. We talk about the metaphysical aspects of it. And we have those conversations, those tough conversations that I give people the opportunity to discuss them and understand that, yes, you still have the opportunity to say goodbye. Right. You still have the opportunity to say, I love you. Right. You still have the opportunity to say, I'm proud of you, or I miss you, or I'm sorry. I mean, that's a fantastic outlet for some people, I'm sure. It's very hard. It must be heartbreaking every now and then. It is. I mean, you know, my career as a police officer, you see, especially in my positions that I held, you see people at their worst, and you see the best people at their worst. So what you see is the worst of the worst, no matter right. what, all the time. So when you look at that and you see the domestic violence, you see the children having to be separated from their parents, you see having to take somebody to jail, you see that separation, you see the anxiety, you see what happens within these environments. But at the same time, you see the loss, you see the anger, you see the depression, you see the yeah. anything and everything that humanity can spew out negative-wise, a police officer will see during his career. So in that time period, you put a wall up. Because the only way to really manage that is to put a wall up. Yeah. You know, you can still be compassionate. You still have empathy. You still have understanding. But I can't tell you how many times I had to knock on somebody's door and they collapsed in my arms. And then I had to go sit in the car and cry because I couldn't cry in front of them. Right, yeah. So from that perspective, you bring that to conversations where you give people that opportunity where they can get some closure, where they get to talk about it out loud, where they get to say something along the line, or they get to understand that, yes, there is one more thing. And yes, I do have that opportunity to be able to say goodbye or say something that I didn't get to say. Then it's also very satisfying. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So is that documentary available to the public? And have you written a book on any of this? Uh, that documentary is not public. In fact, we are working on developing a full documentary. Okay. Because that documentary was only like 12 minutes long. It was just well, a capstone project. It would still be nice to see, but if you're doing a full documentary, yeah, I'm yeah, sure we're that's... working on that. And then, yes, I am writing a book. And the book is partly my story, 
But I've also, some of the individuals that I've spoken with across the last three and a half years, I have selected some very touching stories that I felt needed more exposure and that could be included in that book to help show people that there is hope and that you can move forward. One of the stories I'm having in here is an individual that married his high school sweetheart knowing that she had a disease that was going to basically slowly suffocate herself. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing you could do about it. And he wrote a book called Loving Someone Who's Dying. And he married her in spite of the disease, understanding Mm -hmm. what they were facing, understanding that journey. And then after she passed away, he created a foundation in her name to help other people going through the same thing. Nice. The book was this. I talked to a woman who had ALS, who has ALS, not had, she still has ALS. She was given a five-month term left to live. And I talked to her five years later. Wow. Because she said, I'm not done talking. I still have more to say. And I still have more to say about this disease. And I still have more to say to help my kids through this and my husband through this. And those that are going through it and the families that are going through it, I still have more to say. So it's a collection of those kind of stories as well, because this is my mantra. I did this as I was recovering through every operation. Every time I was walking with a physical therapist with a belt around my back is inspire, motivate, educate. Nice. My goal is to inspire, motivate, and educate. If I can do it, you can do it. Fantastic. I love that. All right. So going to wrap up here. So usually I ask people if there was anything you wish you could tell everyone. I mean, I know you've said it several times, but just go ahead and give your message to the world again, and then let the listeners know where they can find you. And if there's any special website or Anything you want them to do or see, let us know. Absolutely. My message to everybody is that you have the opportunity to take your choice in life and you can choose to move forward when you're faced with obstacles in your path or you can choose to sit back and let the thing encircle you. My advice to you is to evaluate that choice and understand that you within yourself have the choice to move forward in life in a positive way and overcome your obstacles If you open your heart, your mind, and your ears and look around you, see who is with you, who is supporting you, who is moving you forward, don't be afraid to ask and talk to God every day. My podcast is one more thing before you go. You can find it on your favorite listening platform or you can go to beforeyougopodcast.com. It's one word, beforeyougopodcast.com. And it'll have links to everything in there. It'll have links to the YouTube channel. It'll have links to all the platforms. Everything make it really simple and easy for you. Nice. Yeah, I was, of course, checking it out. And some very fascinating guests that you have on there. So definitely worth listening to or watching. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you being with us and sharing your message with everyone. And I look forward to hearing more, hearing from the book, you know, the documentary, everything's fascinating. And thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for what you do. People like you that allow us to deliver a message to other people too. And here it comes again, inspire, (laughs) motivate, and educate. There we go. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right. Thank you. And goodbye, everyone. Hope to connect later. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. 
There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.